the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, where in a single moment you can recognize your brilliance and change your life. This is a transformational hour that covers an array of topics that demonstrate how individuals use their native talents, as shown in their name, to look at the ordinary in extraordinary ways. Albert Einstein once said that everybody's a genius. Why would one of the smartest people on the planet declare that everyone is a genius unless he knew that to be true? I'm your host, Sharon Lynn Wyeth, creator of Namology Science and author of Know the Name, Know the Person. And in each weekly show, you'll hear the fascinating ways other people discovered the genius in themselves and what they were able to accomplish. At the end of every show, you'll hear clues on how you can recognize your own innate genius. All over the world, people have many, many diverse interests. And in that vein, people have asked about different occupations and areas of life that have highly interested them. People want to know how highly successful people have managed to achieve their genius mindset by utilizing the gifts that are seen in their name, utilizing nameology science. So how does someone express their creative talents and how does someone share those gifts with others in such a way that all benefit? Our expert tonight is Kimberly Backus, who has developed her genius in the area of teaching using the AVID method. Kimberly teaches ninth grade English for Valverde Unified School District in Paris, California. She's taught grades six through nine for the past 12 years. She specifically works for long-term English learners and provides support for educators in the AVID Excel program. Kimberly lives with her husband, Anthony, in Moretta, California. She currently works with Kelly Hogan Flowers in providing teaching and experience for potential teachers, teachers that are already teaching in the classroom, but potential AVID teachers during their conferences. And she does just a magnificent job. Our guest name indicates that she's a great leader. And when she leads, everybody benefits. Kimberly's name indicates also that she's people-oriented and is generous by nature. Her name says that she's also competitive and chooses to be the best that she can be. She is a presenter for the AVID program, and that's what we're discussing tonight. Welcome to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You radio show, Kimberly. Thank you so much. Okay, so just to start off, what are the letters AVID stand for? Advanced via individual determination. So how did AVID get started? AVID got started uh, many years ago when um, people started to realize that uh, 
just the, the average student, the C student wasn't being motivated in the classroom and um, they still had aspirations to go to college, but there was just lack of motivation and lack of skills to get them to college. Um, so a group of teachers decided that it was um, opportunity to provide these students with the opportunity um, to get to college and that's how it was started. So how do parents find out if their district's involved in the AVID program? There are general meetings um, that each school offers um, to inform parents of AVID on campus um, so that children and parents can apply for AVID within their school sites. Okay. And the AVID is a local program in your area, and it's kind of spreading throughout California, but what about the nation? Is it spreading across the nation or is it pretty local just to California? No, it is nationwide. So if you've ever gone to an AVID Summer Institute, you will notice that there are people from every single state represented. Um, every state wants to have AVID because they want that average student to succeed and to find success um, and, and really get to college. So it's a nationwide program. Are there statistics out there that show how AVID has helped improve the success of, of C students? Absolutely. So AVID, um, their mission is really to reach 2 million students, and they're on that path for that. Um, they're reaching about 1.8 students um, nationally, um, but their goal is to reach as many students as possible, and the data does prove that. And so how is that data collected? Do schools turn it in? Are they saying, oh, we love this program and it's expanding? Is it like one school will get it in a district and then other schools want to copy because that school scores go up? Yeah, so there is data. So every school has a site plan. Um, so AVID is really good with collecting data. Um, and through that data, they will identify how many schools in a district uh, offer the AVID Excel program or the AVID program, excuse me. Um, so they are data driven. Everything they do is, is, is data driven. So there's uh, quite a few um, uh, forms that each school that participates with AVID fill out. Um, and then the data is provided um, to AVID Center and AVID Center keeps track of every school that's part of the program. Well, I need to confess that I got to meet Kimberly this summer while I was attending an AVID program and was just amazed that even though I have umpteen years in education, new ideas were garnered and tricks were learned. And one of my favorites happens to be how she got our attention while we were in class by just simply saying, say ah, say ooh, say ooh la la. <laughs> or any three words and it just is just amazing and i've used it a lot anyway we need to take a break stay tuned to know the name know the genius in you which can also be heard on knowthename.com This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which is being heard on xzbn.net and knowthename.com. Our guest tonight is Kimberly Backus. She's a presenter for the AVID program, which stands for Advancement Through Individual Determination, whose website is A, V as in victory, I, D as in david.org. First, we'd like to find out a little bit more information about you, uh, Kimberly, if that's all right with you. So how did did you initially discover the AVID program? How did you get involved? I was fortunate to work at a school that had AVID, um, and they approached me. I was uh, teaching ELD at the time, uh, English Development, and they asked for me to uh, teach the first ever ELD AVID program, and I was fortunate enough to go to a summer institute um, and have the experience of wonderful presenters and great curriculum and I was able to um, teach AVID ELD at the time. This was um, 10 plus years ago. Um, so that was my first experience with AVID. When did you know that you had an interest in teaching? Let's even go back before that. Mm-hmm. Great question. Um, my mother always had a uh, home daycare in our home. So I was always around children uh, when I got home from school, before school. So um, from the earliest memory I have, I would always put my um, stuffed animals up on the bed and teach them. So I was always teaching. Uh, so I knew from an early age I wanted to be a teacher. You know, when they encourage us to become speakers and when we're getting ready to give a speech in front of a lot of people, they tell us to put the stuffed animals in the chairs or on the bed and talk, <laughs> talk to them and practice. So I love that right. picture. What were your yeah. stumbling blocks along the way to becoming a teacher and to becoming a, a you know, really comfortable in the AVID method, and then how did you overcome them? Um, you you asked stumbling blocks on my way towards becoming a teacher? Uh-huh. Okay, so stumbling blocks along the way as I was going through um, getting my degree and my credential was just time. Um, I paid my way through college, um, so I always had two jobs. Um, So I was never a full-time student. I was always a part-time student. So it took me double the time to get through um, to get my degree and my credential. Um, And then once I entered the teaching profession and with AVID, um, some of the challenges I faced again were time, um, time to learn the curriculum and time to implement the curriculum. Um, So time has always been a factor for both becoming a teacher and, and being in the teaching profession. As a average, what would you say is the number of hours that you would put in as a teacher? I love educating our listeners on actually how hard our teachers work around the United States. How many hours do you put in nightly would you average? Like per day? Yeah, per day, you know, like after the school day is over and the students go home and right. they're still working. Well, I I consider myself a veteran teacher. I'm on my 12th year of teaching uh, this year. Um, So I spend, I try to get home at a certain time. When I first started teaching, I just stayed at school until things were done. Um, So I like to say I get to work about an hour before school starts. And now I stay an hour to two hours after school. Um, But again, that really depends. I I teach English. So we have the the joy of teaching writing and grading writing. So um, my my job never ends. I'm constantly taking things home um, to grade papers, to give feedback for students on their writing. Um, But on average, I would probably say I spend an extra three hours above my contracted hours um, teaching or, you know, doing my job. I was going to say, I think that's very common. I watched the parking lot at the schools near here, and it seems like it's very full, very late, you know, before the teachers get to leave. Did becoming an avid teacher change your life in any way differently than just being a teacher? It changed my outlook. I was at the point in my career where, um, you know, we all we all get to that point in any career that we've been doing the same thing for a while and we're thinking of either we're going to have a career change or we need something different. And AVID came in, um, specifically AVID Excel for me came in at a time where I was sort of in a teaching rut where I had been doing the same thing for a while. 
um, and it gave me some change. It gave me new outlook on the uh, strategies and the scaffolds that I should be providing for my students, not only my English-only students, but also for my English language uh, students as well. So it came at the right time. So what's the difference between the AVID program and the AVID Excel program? So AVID Excel is specifically for our long-term English learners, and those students have uh, been in U.S. schools for six or more years, and they have not become, uh, become an English uh, speaker. Um, AVID Excel provides AVID strategies included in the program, but their focus really is on academic um, vocabulary and really having the students use their academic language in reading and writing in oral language, um, but then it also has the components of leadership and study skills along with the program. So I read that it's not a good thing when a teacher says you're smart to a child, as then if a child starts struggling, the child feels stupid and wants to give up. Instead, right. the AVID program is designed around individual hard work so that when a child struggles, it indicates that just more work is required. And thus it has right. you know, nothing to do with being smart or stupid or whatever. And have, your, have you noticed that your students tend to work harder using the AVID methods than they did previously? Right, and it's all, it goes back to this idea of having this growth mindset, not having this fixed mindset where uh, they, the students feel like they can't do something. So we're always telling our AVID students, you can't do that yet. Um, so giving them that outlook that no matter if, if you're struggling in something um, with hard work and perseverance and that, in, that whole idea of determination, uh, they can do anything, even if it's challenging or overwhelming for them. So what are talking chips? Talking chips is a way to, um, it has two, two purposes. It's for the student that always seems to um, talk in class, meaning share their opinion, raise their hand, participate. And it also works for the student who doesn't raise their hand, who doesn't participate. So you give students, if they were in a group of four, each of them have a talking chip. And before, um, before they speak, they have to put the talking chip in the center, and that gives them the right to share their opinion. And then after they use that talking chip, they're not allowed to speak because they, um, they're, we're encouraging the other students to use their talking chip. So it really, it doesn't allow students to hide, it keeps students accountable, and it really um, allows everyone at the table to be heard. Is there a preferred number of, of children in a group? Like, is it like two, three, four, five, six? Because after a while it could be too big, or is, could there be too small of a group? Right, so research shows um, between four and six, um, and with that being said, um, when you put them in groups of four to six, um, you try to have even numbers so that the students have partners, so at any time they can turn and talk and share uh, an idea or rehearse uh, with a partner, and then within whole group of their table, uh, share out their response. Okay, so explain that to us. What do you mean? Because not all of our listeners are teachers, okay? Just a small fraction are. Right. So what does that mean like you share and practice or you share and rehearse? Right. So one of the big things AVID Excel pushes, um, especially for our English um, learners, um, but it's, it's great practice for all our students, is to allow them time to rehearse. And what I mean by rehearse is if you think of an actor um, right before a performance, they're going to take the time to rehearse their lines. Um, before they, they share uh, their performance with others. So in the classroom, instead of me just randomly calling on a student um, and catching them off guard, um, you give them the time to turn and talk with a partner to rehearse um, what they're going to say. So if you're giving them a writing prompt, um, they're going to take the time to really uh, read it twice to themselves and rehearse saying it. Um, and then they share with a partner, and then I start calling on students. Um, and that really gives them the opportunity to have multiple exposures with their responses before I call on students to respond in whole group. Does this work in every subject matter? Like we know that you're English, but would it work equally as well in like a math class or a science class? 
Absolutely. So we always want our students, no matter what content area we have them, uh, to feel comfortable and safe in our classrooms. And allowing them to uh, have that rehearsal gives them the opportunity to feel safe and respected um, within any content area. So suppose that you're, let's say, in a math classroom or a science classroom. How would they do a, talk, a turn and talk or a, a practice? Because it seems to me that those answers come fairly fast when they're numbers. Or do you have them mm -hmm. check with their neighbors first? Right. So in math, I, I don't teach math. I do teach English. But um, I have worked with math teachers in the past. And uh, with math, I know there's just a simple answer. But what we're trying to do, especially with Common Core and, and getting our students ready for career in, in college, is we really want them to have these collaborative discussions on how they got the answer. So instead of turning and talk with a partner and just sharing your answer, um, the, the more effective ways for them to turn and talk and share how they got their answer. What were some challenges that they faced? Um, what were some areas of confusion? Um, and having those collaborative discussions is just so vital for them. At first, at the beginning of the year, are the students more afraid to speak with each other or not comfortable with what's expected? And how do you, you know, they might have some anxiety. How do you overcome that? Right. So in the uh, beginning of the year, um, we put them in groups. So they're already in groups versus in rows, which is, um, is not the most conducive seating arrangement for the students. So to get them familiar with each other in the first few weeks and throughout the school year, um, we do a lot of brain breaks in class building where the students are working in their groups um, to have fun. So they can do um, any kind of activity that is going to get them up out of their seats and meeting with others. And that can be simple as um, go find a partner, stand back to back with them, and um, play rock, paper, scissors, or, um, you know, thumb wrestle, um, really getting them to develop relationships and feeling safe within their tables um, by introducing themselves and all of those sort of fun, low anxiety moments. Um, so they're able to really um, take the risks in their groups to turn and talk and have collaborative discussions. If you don't have them develop relationships with one another, they're less likely to um, speak to one another in an academic setting. Could this lead later on to where they want to talk too much? Um, not necessarily, um, which I don't, I don't feel it's a bad thing. If they're talking too much and it's on topic, um, that's great. <laughs> but if it's off task, talking, then that, that deals more with classroom management. Um, but if we can get them talking nonstop, that's, that's just, you know, the most positive experience that you can have in a classroom. Well, I like the, what you have with the AVID program where a student stands to deliver their answer, you know, right. like that movie, Stand and Deliver. And so it's like, <laughs> stand and deliver, and here you go. And then um, after the break, I would like to get into some of the hand signals that you say and what you use to have students extend their answers because that, that's just beautiful. Anyway, we need to take another break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. This show is dedicated to the AVID program and how it's benefiting students that most would say aren't as strong to become just as strong as the others. And after the break, we'll find out some of the what different ways that Kimberly has assisted people using this AVID method. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. 
Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Kimberly Backus, who presents for the AVID program, whose website is AVID, A-V like Victor, ID.org. Now, AVID stands for Advancement Through Individual Determination. It's not on how smart a child is, but how, how much work a child is willing to do. Um, Kimberly, before the break, we were talking about the hand signals and the different ways that um, the teacher communicates both using the hand signals and their mouth. Would you elaborate on that? Give us some examples, please. Right. So what you're speaking of is providing the students with both verbal and nonverbal cues. Um, so, of course, we know what verbal cues are, me directly telling the student um, anything verbally. And then nonverbal cues um, are things that I do nonverbally. So that can be uh, providing snaps as celebration when students take risks in using academic vocabulary. It can be providing celebrations where the class gives a student a single clap to show celebration for them taking um, risk-taking behavior by volunteering. Um, so there's a variety of ways that as teachers we can give nonverbal cues. If a student um, says a sentence that is incomplete, I can use a um, nonverbal cue where my fingers or my two hands are coming out in an outward motion and that signals to the student nonverbally that they need to restate their answer in a complete sentence. Um, a lot of our students will stand up and give me very fragmented sentences. Um, so starting with uh, more elaboration can be your two hands in a movement um, formation going towards your body, um, sharing to the student that you need to elaborate, give me more information. So there's two ways that you can provide feedback. Um, the, you know, the, the verbal cues, which is very typical in a class, um, but then you can also have the nonverbal cues uh, to provide feedback for the student. Do you ever give prizes or uh, little trinkets or pencils or erasers? I mean, I've seen teachers give little like jewel type of things. Um, is that encouraged in the AVID program or is it not addressed or talk to us about that? So that's extrinsic motivation and, you know, it really depends on the teacher, but of course we want our students to have intrinsic motivation, motivated by um, success and other factors that aren't so materialistic. So there's ways of providing celebrations for them. I had mentioned it, giving them a, a single clap or um, giving them snaps in the classroom, uh, recognizing them by giving awards or celebrations within the classroom. Um, but every teacher is different. Um, in the AVID program, um, the way that you reward students in your classroom can look different from a teacher down the hall that's teaching AVID as well. But I think our main focus is um, make sure we celebrate successes that are happening. And if that means, you know, giving a trinket or whatnot, or giving, you know, a thumbs up in the classroom, um, really celebrating those successes is, is extremely important. In the AVID program, there's something that's called the GIST activity, G-I-S-T. What is that? What does it stand for? What's its purpose? Right. So the purpose of the GIST is um, it's an opportunity for students to basically give you the gist of an article. And it's, some, it's, a, it's a way for students to summarize an article in a short amount of words. Um, so we did this when um, you participated in our summer institute. Uh, we were able to, to show you the worksheet and to really show you the process of it. Um, but students would select um, a series of words that are specific and important to a particular article or topic, and they provide a gist summary. And that's going to be short and simple, and it basically tells um, the teacher or another student what the gist of that article is about. Okay. That sounds like a wonderful way, too, at the end of any class period to say, give us the gist of what we went over today or is that used then for part of the summary, like on the Cornell notes or anything? So it's not going to be used as a Cornell note summary because uh, the summary is generated from your essential question, part of your focus notes. Um, however, uh, teachers do at the end of a unit or end of an article could possibly use the gist um, in, in that method. Um, but it's so challenging because you'll see the students struggle which of these 20 some words am I going to use to put in my gist because they assume all the words are important. Um, so it really challenges um, our students to really pick the best words um, that are the most key 
specific words in an article. Do you find then that they're using more academic language when you're incorporating the GIST activity? Absolutely. And we really encourage that. We don't want a word like the to be placed in the GIST. Um, we're really looking for those keywords that are specific to the topic. And as we're going through close reading with the students, um, we're really having them identify those keywords um, that are key to that particular article by circling those words as they're doing their close read of an article or any reading material. Now, you have students stand when they talk. Your stand, share, sit philosophy. Would you let us all know what that is? So one way that we encourage our students to be great presenters, because if you know any uh, college or career, you're going to be presenting um, no matter what you're doing. So to ease students' fears, because many students have, including myself as an adult, um, fears of presenting in front of people. So one way that we start to practice this, and I share this with my students all the time, is by standing and delivering in class and also being loud and proud. Because you'll have a student that will comply and they'll stand and deliver, but that maybe they're quiet or they're very shy and you can't hear the response. Um, so one thing I do in my class um, is I say, stand and deliver. They always ask, do I have to stand? Of course we have to stand. And why do we have to stand? To prepare for presentation, future presentations. And then I always say right before they speak, um, loud and proud. I want to hear it loud and proud. And that really starts developing um, this positive um, outlook and it gives them practice of speaking in front of others, which can be a very, um, very daunting task and very uh, nerve wracking for some, for some of our students. I think it can be nerve wracking for anybody because wasn't right. it the number one fear in the world is not death, but it's delivering or standing public in front of people, speaking. public speaking. Mm -hmm. okay. Right, right. You have this wonderful technique that is used in AVID, and it's the vowel technique, where A is asking a question, E is engaged fully. Would you mind explaining that and going through that? We have plenty of time for you to really give us the detail on that. I thought it was so important, that process of how we bring students from one spot in the curriculum, you know, and carry it through. Um, that particular strategy, I'm not too familiar with that strategy. So I wouldn't be able to speak on that one. That's, the, that's a strategy I haven't used very often in my AVID Excel program. You know, there are so many strategies in the AVID program. I wonder how long it takes on average for a teacher to get comfortable using the AVID techniques. Is there any research on that? Right. So with each teacher, with any profession, um, the how quick you catch on to strategies and scaffolds really depends on the teacher. Um, but what AVID does is they provide great, great trainings. Um, and with those professional trainings, we have the summer institutes, we have path trainings, um, there's online resources. I know right before a summer institute, um, our, our participants are able to go online and access uh, different training modules in order to uh, get some prior knowledge before taking any AVID strand. Um, so it really depends on the educator, um, how quickly they pick up on the strategies. But of course, with any profession, the more you try them and take those risks with it, um, the more that you become familiar and uh, willing to use them in the classroom. Uh, please describe the Think It and Ink It technique. So Think It and Ink It is um, great for, of course, our English learner students because uh, they have a tendency to take additional time to process information. So Think It means, of course, I'm going to give you some think time to process it. And I'm not sh I'm sure, Sharon, if you remember um, Kelly and I during your AVID, AVID uh, Institute training, we would always point to the, our brain whenever we asked you to think about it as a participant. So we have the students think, and that gives them processing time. And then after they think about it, then we have them ink it, and the ink it represents writing it down. Um, so we never just say to a student, here's your prompt, write it down or respond to it before they have time to process it. So you really give them that two-minute processing time where they're thinking about their answer, how are they going to respond to it, and then you give them additional time to ink out their response. Okay. And you used an acronym that's called SLICK. Would you explain how students get to be SLICK? What was the acronym? SLICK, the S-L-I-C. I have not heard of that, that acronym. 
it, it's okay. It was one, I guess, that Kelly then used in the thing. I just thought it was really a, a, a cool acronym because it stood for then the process of how they were processing information. So, right, and that's um, super important in AVID, having that time to process. Um, I thought it was great watching you ask if there was another academic risk taker that was wanting someone in the room to take a risk and ask a question. And are there other questions like that that you use frequently, like, you know, like the one that you would use during the training that I was so privileged to get to go to that says, you know, is there an academic risk taker that encourages students to stand up and and share. Yeah. So that one is probably um, the biggest go-to one that I use as an AVID Excel teacher. Um, it really works well with our male population. Um, it's something about the word risk that really motivates them um, to, to share in class um, because they're skateboarders, they're uh, BMX bikers, and those are all risk-taking behaviors. So using that word um, I, I need a, a risk taker is great. Um, also um, asking for scholars. And once they recognize that the word scholar means an educated person um, in class, I may ask, I need a couple of scholars to um, provide uh, a volu uh, volunteer themselves to share their response. So using the word scholar, educated person, anything that's a positive vocabulary word to really encourage them um, to um, speak in class. Now, what happens if you have an academic risk taker and then that person totally blows it and gives you something that doesn't make any sense <laughs> and definitely isn't the right answer? Right. So, of course, we always celebrate the risk taking behavior. So they, they took that opportunity to share in class, stand and deliver loud and proud. Um, however, we're always language coaches. So that gives us the opportunity to coach them, not to tell them they're wrong but to provide uh, feedback for them. So it could be something as simple as how could you restate that using academic vocabulary? Could you say it in a different way? Um, so there's lots of opportunities as teachers um, that we can become their language coach and really coach them through how to restate their answer, how to look back at their notes so that they um, don't provide misinformation to their classmates. Um, but we mm -hmm. also don't want to do as educators is correct them by giving them the right answer. We really want to challenge them to um, correct themselves. I think that's a, such a wonderful technique. I really enjoyed watching you demonstrate um, and actually use the techniques with everyone in the group. And you had a large group of us. I mean, it was much larger than what you would have had in a regular classroom. Um, we need to take our last break. Stay tuned to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You on X. ZBN.net and knowthename.com. After the break, we'll find out what Kimberly has in her name that you may have in your name as well. Network broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN TV. For more information on the X Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. 
It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. I'm Sharon Lynn Wyeth, and you're listening to Know the Name, Know the Genius in You. Our guest tonight is Kimberly Backus, a presenter for the AVID program, whose website is av, like in victory, id.org. She's taken her teaching skills to a level where she's able to hold the students' attention and thoroughly engage them in the learning process. Now, the AVID method is really enhancing each teacher's skill level by giving them proven ways of motivating the students and keeping them engaged. And AVID stands for Advancement Through Individual Determination. Kimberly, what is the basis of overcoming obstacles in the teaching profession and how you're motivating students? Because sometimes it's so hard to get some of those students to just want to try anything. And so what have you found that works the best for you? For me, anytime I have obstacles, I think the the one thing I've worked with beginning teachers and I've been a master teacher to student teachers, and one thing I always encourage um, uh, teachers that are about to become teachers is to be reflective. Um, you may have a day that doesn't go well. You may plan this wonderful lesson, and it completely flops, or something goes wrong. You forget a slide or something, and it's not your most successful day as a teacher. Um, but taking the time to sit down and, and really reflect upon what went wrong, how could you have changed that? Um, reflection is so important and it allows you to grow not only as an educator but as a person um, when things get tough so um, I always do that with my students I'm like if something isn't going the way you want it to go or something is challenging for you how can you sit down reflect and make some changes to improve that situation if it occurs again now for me when I was really involved with teaching at the very beginning of my career uh, students would write me notes at different times, thank you notes, or a parent would write me a thank you note. And I developed a warm fuzzy file. And on those days where I thought, okay, I have no idea why I'm in this classroom at all and stuff, or I was very discouraged because students weren't learning or they were struggling awful much and I wasn't finding successful ways of reaching them. You know, when you're a beginning teacher, you got a trial and error a lot. I used to go home and read that warm fuzzy file. And then I'd say, okay, I can do another day. Because we do have days that are up and down are more successful than others, just like the students. Absolutely. And I think, Sharon, uh, what you're talking about is really understanding your why. Uh, so Simon Sinek mentioned it, the importance of knowing your why. So as a teacher, um, one way to be reflective is understanding why are you a teacher um, and, and, and writing that down and keeping that in a safe spot. And I love your, your strategy of you having those warm fuzzies that you can look back at because that's really your why, your, your parents, your students. Um, that, what, that is what brings you back every day. So um, I, I really love that example. If you could change one thing, Kimberly, about people's understanding or how they look at education and teachers, what would that be? That's such a great question. I love that question. Um, that we do more than sit in front of the classroom and read a story to our kids. We are caretakers, we are nurses, we are uh, counselors, we are um, listeners. We are so many things to our students besides just educators or professors or lecturers. We do it all in the classroom. And in one given classroom period, and it's 58 minutes or 55 minutes, however long a class period is, we are helping multiple students through multiple things. And it's just not reading, writing, math. Um, it's just multiple things that we're providing for our students. So one thing I wish people would know is just how much we do for our students every single day. And we're willing to do that every single day. Now, I've been reading a lot about emotional intelligence lately. And it seems like, you know, Parents expect their children to learn academically or mental intelligence when they come to school, but 
there's a lot of emotional intelligence being taught and how to respond to different things and, and how to react. Would you like to comment on that, on uh, the emotional intelligence that kids pick up at school? Right. So we realize that, I mean, if you think of Maslow and the, the hierarchy of needs, um, our students need so much. They need shelter and, 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 and support. And so if we just focus on the education of our students, we're, we're not going to reach them all. Um, so one important thing to do is to provide that emotional support. And one way my school does it is we provide positive behavior intervention support for our students. And that's a way for us to show students how to cope with maybe um, bullying or not cope with bullying, but how to cope with a disagreement with students or how to cope with not being able to get all your homework done because you have a, um, a practice after school. So really teaching the students how to cope with stress or cope with um, being overwhelmed in high school. Um, so really allowing in the classroom for that emotional support and stability um, for students, because without it, they're not going to be able to learn. You know, speaking of that, I see more and more students that come into this classroom with great levels or very high levels of anxiety. And I know that when I started teaching umpteen years ago, we didn't have those levels of anxiety. And yet so many students do. So in your classroom, if you had a very anxious student, what would you do to help that student? So one big thing, I, I, and we're in the beginning of the school year, so I, I can talk about this. Every year I take the time to develop relationships with students. And through that, um, I, I really share with students, if they need anything, speak to me about it. Um, so I've been very fortunate that my students have always felt comfortable coming to me. And um, many of the students that do have anxiety will share with me, you know, Mrs. Backus, I don't feel comfortable speaking aloud, or I get uh, test anxiety, and before a test, I get really nervous, and, and, and I don't know what to do. So with that being said, I always try to make a point to lower that effective, you know, the anxiety in the classroom by um, maybe not calling a test, it's letting them know that they're going to show me what they know. Um, so changing the vocabulary of things. Instead of homework, we're doing preparation. Um, so just changing the vocabulary in the classroom, um, making sure that they've developed relationships not only with me but with their, with their peers so they feel comfortable um, to talk about these feelings of anxiety, um, but always providing opportunities that they feel safe in the classroom. Having that safe environment is super important. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I know that we used to call at one particular school I was at, and that's when I was teaching in California, we never called anything a test. We called them brag sheets. This was your opportunity to brag on what you had already learned and that we would only mark what was correct and we never marked what was wrong. We said, focus on that which you got right. And then it's up to the teacher to look at the rest and say, what do we need to do? But this was your opportunity to brag how much you'd learned so far. Um, so we call them there. Is there anything else that you're currently working on that you'd like to share with us? Um, I'm currently um, working on in the classroom. I'm, um, I'm working with English language learners, especially our long-term English learners. Um, we're using the English 3D program. Um, we're really gearing this high school group of students um, using the Avid Excel strategies um, to really propel them into um, college and career. So we're really thinking outside the box on how to reach our long-term English learners at my high school by providing um, field trips and guest speakers and really enriching their experience within um, their ELD period um, so that they have these great strategies that AVID provides within their ELD curriculum. So I'm super proud of that. And already I'm getting a great response from the students that are in that class. Um, so I'm, I'm just eager to see what the rest of the year holds for all of us. So does ELD stand for English um, Learning Development? So it stands for English Language Development. English Language Development. I was going to say, I think in every profession, there are so many acronyms that after a while, they're not, you know, it's like you're talking a foreign language. And even from school right. to school, you know, they, they right. use different different acronyms stuff mm -hmm. um in closing what would you like our audience to take away from this interview 
I would like them to take away the, I would not be where I'm at if it wasn't for Avid. Avid has inspired me to be the best teacher I could possibly be. Um, they always mention in our Avid Excel training that we have a ripple effect as not only as teachers, but as Avid presenters. Um, every time we present at a summer institute, it's almost like you're dropping a pebble into a lake and the ripple effect is the fact that these educators we're presenting to will go back to their classrooms and reach hundreds of students with these strategies that you're teaching them during the presentation, during that strand. Um, so I just, I, I just want to thank Avid for making me the teacher I am today and inspiring me to inspire our youth to be the best that they can be. I think everybody listening to this interview is going to want their child to have you for a teacher. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Kimberly, for being with us. Be prepared and surprised and pleased when you get to experience the AVID method of learning. Um, Kimberly Backus is a presenter for the AVID program, whose website, again, is avid.org. Our guest names begin with the letter K, which indicates that she is a natural leader and that when she leads, everybody benefits. And most definitely with these AVID techniques, it makes it so much easier to be a really dynamic teacher. If your name starts with the letter K, then you too are a natural leader. And when you lead, everybody benefits. Do you know where your genius lies? I'm Sharon Lynn Wyatt, host of the radio show, Know the Name, Know the Genius in You, which can be heard every weekday at various hours right here on XCBN.net radio and Exxon radio station and knowthename.com. This is Sharon Lynn Wyeth signing off.